Today on the Button Up Podcast, we have Johan Eklund from Sharp and Dapper. How are you? Very, very good, thank you. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Great to have you on. We know you have some really cool product, braces and suspenders, but we want to know a little bit more about Johan before he was such a dapper dude. <laughs> yeah. I've... It's funny. I, I look. I look back at pictures before I started the business, and I'm, you know, it's like cringe, cringe-worthy. You go, what was I thinking? Was I, I, thinking? I think we all do that. Yeah, it was good fun. You know, I, I was working as a bartender before, and when you work behind the bar, is usually you wear like jeans and a t-shirt. And it's not. You work a lot, so you're always tired. So you don't really care too much uh, about what you wear when you're not working because you're always working oh yeah um so my 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 days back then consisted of sleep eat and work there's a reason i came to london originally swedish uh moved to london in 2005 just to yeah work in some better bars Hmm. it's great times i've uh worked as a bartender since i was 18 so uh what did i make it i worked as a bartender in sweden for about five years and then came over here continued working uh learned loads loved bartending absolutely loved it uh started working in a bar in east london that was sort of like a little members bar and they kind of wanted us to dress a prohibition style so they wanted us to wear suspenders and ties shirts nice trousers um uh, and i didn't have any suspenders so i went on ebay i had i was looking like browsing through what they had like really cheap braces not very nice ones and came across this little accessory that tucked my shirt in and when you work behind a bar it's a godsend especially in a bar where you want to tuck your shirt in because you reach for th- things you shake cocktails you bend over pick stuff up uh bought a set and fell in love absolutely fell in love um, so your first love was the shirt stays or suspenders shirt stays ah uh, okay yeah it was it was a bit of an eye-opener i was surprised no one really knew about it if i'm honest um especially in the industry no one in europe was doing it apart from this one little online shop in northern england that also sold uh um based on ebay based online and they had a little shop in northern london in northern england uh, and they bought uh shirt stays from a company in the us that sold mainly i think it's called vanguard mainly sells to us military and stuff i believe police so they did them I, i bought a set for me and i bought a couple of sets for my friends that i work with and yeah just fell in love Never really thinking that I would do anything apart from wearing them. Um, about three years went by and I started working in another bar, which uh, didn't, it was a really nice place to work. It was really nice colleagues, but I didn't earn as much as I was wanted to. Um, and on a Sunday morning, I was lying in bed and I was looking at my payslip from from this new job, going like, "What's the point? I'm not going to be able to do anything if I just like keep working for these guys. I work 50, 60 hours a week, and they make the money. 
Um, and the shirt stakes were on the floor next to my bed. And I saw them and I went, I can make that better. Started researching, went on eBay, went on Amazon, uh, started looking for elastics, started looking for little adjusters and clips. And um, yeah, bought a sewing machine and started making them. What didn't you like about the ones that you were wearing? Uh, the ones I was wearing at the time, the, the packaging of them was very, uh, what, what would you call it? Uh, like cheap. The materials that was used wasn't very good. The clips were, uh, in the three years I wore them before I started the company, I, I, I had to buy new ones three times because the clips wasn't good, the adjusters wasn't very good, and the elastic was, uh, I'm about 6'1", and the elastic was too short. Hmm. Uh, so they were a little bit too tight. At the time, I was like, oh, still, it's amazing. There's no other option. Um, so I just wanted to make a, a better version. Like another thing was the, the elastic was very wide, and I wanted to make a version that was thinner. So hopefully it would be a little bit less bulky underneath the trousers so you won't see as much mm-hmm. um the elastic was very like rigid i didn't enjoy because I, I wanted to have a little bit more given it so i managed to find a, an elastic made here in the uk uh that was a little bit softer so to speak so i think the ones the vanguard ones i'm pretty sure they were made in asia if i remember correctly and yeah they didn't really as long as they kept the shirts tucked in for a while you know they were happy had, had you like made stuff before? I mean, did you know how to sew? Were you like a DIY crafty kind of person? Uh, not at all. Not at all. I Back in Sweden, when I grew up, we had, um, it was compulsory had to learn how to use a sewing machine. Everyone, girls, boys, girls did woodcraft, boys did woodcraft, and all of us had to learn how to use a sewing machine. And I think we started when we were seven, like first grade. Hmm. So, it was in the back of my head. I got a little video of me doing the first set of shirt stays on the sewing machine. My my flatmate, uh, roommate, filmed. And <laughs> it, it took a while to get into it. I oh, I looked so funny. It was very slow in the beginning. Luckily, I didn't have a lot of orders back then. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it, it, it took a while to get back into it, but it was so much fun. But since, like, I really... I really enjoy making stuff on the sewing machine now. So end of last year, I went to um, like a trouser making course to try to learn how to make trousers uh, and stuff like that. So I can try to expand on the skill a little bit. It was great fun to be able to. I always find uh, like tailoring interesting and I love trousers. So I was like, oh, let's go on a little trouser making course and see what happens. And it was great fun. And what year was that that you had your, your revelation about the trousers on the floor? Uh, that was in 2011. Okay. So I started wearing them uh, 2008. And then I came up with the idea for it uh, 2011. So I went, into, I went to work on the Monday um, and told a friend of mine uh, that I was working with, like, oh, my God, I've got this idea. I'm going to start making shirt stays to keep your shirt tucked in. And he said, oh, that's a great idea. Can I do it with you? So I actually started a business with a friend of mine um, from work. Uh, and we did it together for about a year and a half. Uh, 
and he went off and bought a pub and just didn't have time anymore so after about two years i bought him out hmm. since then since 2013 i think it is it's just been me and so were you i guess you already had some built-in customers right because you had a community in the, in the in the bartending world so they, they probably were, were those your first customers yes so we made some sets and we gave it to some friends um within the industry and asked them to try them and give us some feedback um, and they thought it was a great idea and it's just built from there really the the support i've had from the hospitality industry from around the world really has been absolutely insane it's fantastic mm. like word spreads um and you know it's like one of their own making this thing and they've been so supportive of it which i'm incredibly grateful for so in that yeah. first year you're the main one producing all of the the items oh i've been making it since we started ah so handmade from day one yeah yeah, yeah still making we, we did look at some factories but i just love making them i absolutely love it i had a chat with uh, antonio santano uh, when he was in london and he had he had no idea he thought that i, I had them bought in but i was like no, no no i make them myself and we had a chat it was like if if I get too busy, then I won't be able to keep up. Um, which would be a good, good problem, I suppose. But now that's two, three days a week, just sitting, making shirts days, watching that on YouTube. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's what you need. Keep you some company. And so as you're... As you're making them and you're kind of building a business, like, do you start to bring on help from your wife? Like, at what point do you start to think, you know, this can't all just be yourself? Uh, I have been thinking about that quite a lot because, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting any younger. I'm 34, 34, 37 this year. And um, last year I took on a lady, an old seamstress that couldn't find, like a friend of a friend. Um, she helped me a little bit. But I just found found that it's with my I have my little daughter now as well. I just rather try to keep the money within the family uh, and just do it myself. And um, I've had a think, and if I double the business uh, within the next few years, I can still do it myself, which which is what I want. I would love to hire people, but. I, I suppose you can say I'm, like, I'm quite content with the way thing is. And I don't have the urge of becoming the world's biggest company. If I can support me and my family, you know, it's what I really ask for. Uh, and at the moment, if I double it, I can still do it by myself and I'll be able to support my family. That's that's all I need. It's a boutique. Um, that's what's in. Yeah, it's, you know, it's I take great pride in making it. Um People, people always wonder why I enjoy making them, and it's hard. Like when I work in when I worked in bars, you oh you know you create something with your hands, you make a cocktail, you mix ingredients, and at the end of it you sit in there and you can see you made something and someone's enjoying it. Uh, I kind of feel the same way when I'm sitting making shirt stays because I'm I'm putting all these components together and I'm making a product and I can see the pile growing and I can physically see it. Like the amount of times I've tried starting a blog, but I just can't because I'm not getting any satisfaction out of sitting 
writing stuff. And English not not being my native language, I my grammar isn't that good. So that's also another thing. I'm like I'm live, not embarrassed, but I don't really want to do it. That's another reason why I want to start a little YouTube channel where I can talk about it instead, because I find that a lot easier mm-hmm. than Same. just sitting around. Now, I've always been a lot more practical. I like working with my hands. Like when I was 15, I worked in kitchens and stuff. You know, I just I love using my hands. So w- when you were first starting out, you were still tending bar for a while, doing this like evenings and weekends, and then you did. And then at one point, you made the jump and went full time. Yeah, it was nerve wracking. I worked part time in a friend's bar uh, for about four years whilst doing shop and dapper at the same time, um, and then at one point. Like I said, it was just, I'm going to have to do the jump. It's just getting a little bit too busy uh, uh, to do both. I actually bartending so much that last year, around the time my daughter was born, uh, I went back working about like two days a week just because I missed it. Um, but because I just had my daughter and she didn't sleep very well, she meant when I came home at like 1, 1 a.m., she didn't want to sleep. I couldn't sleep. And she got up early. I didn't get enough sleep. Um, and it also affected my hands quite a bit. Uh, with all the alcohol, it's always damp. And um, all the acid from the citrus fruits, I kind of got some like an allergic reaction on my hands. So as much as I love doing it, it just wasn't worth it in the end. I have a, I have a kind of off-topic question. But with bartending, it seems like, because you've been doing it for so long, has it changed a lot? Because it seems like now it's like cocktails are, are very in and you can go to a restaurant and they advertise who their mixologist is and it's an extensive cocktail list. Whereas, you know, back in the day, it was just you had your standard drinks and then the bartenders really, they can make those classics and then put, you know, pull a beer. It changed so much. It's incredible. Um, just the way they make drinks. And also you have, like these days, you have these what can you call them, like rock star bartenders? Like bartenders travel over the world and do guest shifts in different bars. Um, brands just ship bartenders everywhere to do like sessions where they talk about what they do. And it's a it's an incredible industry. It's absolutely insane. And it's so much money in it. And they, oh, it's, yeah, I miss it. It's great. It's, it's actually... It was quite daunting coming back after about a three-year hiatus trying to start making drinks again. Because back in the days when you work and you're in it, people, someone asks you for a drink and you go, yeah, yeah, no problem, I'm going to make you that. Now, when, it, when I came back, someone asked me for a classic drink two years ago, no problem. Now I go, what? what are you oh, I'm going to have to look that one up, sorry. That's what, what's but it's, What's your go? What, what what's your go to drink when you go to a new bar and you want to kind of test the waters, see how they are? What do you order? Back in the days, it always used to be a daiquiri, and it's uh, it used to be that for a lot of bartenders, it's sugar, lime, and rum. And if you you'd be surprised the amount of bartenders that can uh, make it not palatable. And the, yeah, that always used to be. You go in, it's like, yeah, I can have a daiquiri. If they make a good daiquiri, you go, yeah, you're good. You're good. You know what you're doing. Wow, that's a good, that's a good pro tip to know. Mine, my family's a ice cream store. If I know a place can make a good vanilla milkshake, then I know that 
they've got it all. It's all okay. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. These days, also another one is probably an old fashioned. Yeah, those are always too sweet. People always make those too sweet. Exactly. Mm. Couldn't agree more. Nice. That was good. I, I, I love cocktails. Just going out. I'm going to have to go for some drinks when you come to London, John. Yeah, for sure. Bro, a place that can make a good daiquiri. Yeah. <laughs> How has the uh, so how how has the growth happened for your business? Because you talked about various content marketing, obviously on social media, has it just been totally organic, like word of mouth, or, or how has how has that growth occurred? Yeah, so like we talked about earlier, initially it was a lot of support from the industry, uh, a lot of word of mouth through industry, uh, social media obviously being a big uh, big thing. Um, my first proper like little growth spurt happened when Antonio, uh, Real Man Real Style, talked about shirts days. Um, he made a video saying, "Was there, I think it was just an article that he written uh, where he said he doesn't like shirts days." Um, and we commented. Me and my business partner saw this article, and we went, "Okay, let's uh, let's 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 try to get get some sales here." So we we commented and said, "Oh, check out." www.shopandapper.com shirt stays. Uh, Antonio emailed us going, oh, I don't really appreciate you like doing advertising, like advertising your stuff on my on my website. And we go, yeah, you know what? That's fair enough. Uh, we're gonna gonna remove it. Don't worry. And then we said, do you mind if we send you one to try ours? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can send us one if you like it. If I like it, then uh, I'll do something with it. If I don't like it, then. Uh, yeah, I'm just not going to do anything. Like, yeah, that's fine. And he made a, a video about them saying he loved them. Uh, and yeah, from that, we went from basically a few sales a week to a few I don't want to say a few sales a day because it wasn't, but like a daily occurrence that we got an order. And that's like 2012, like early OG Real Man Real Style. Yes. Yes. Ah. Uh. So that was the first one. It's like since then we have we've done like in hindsight it's just such a mistake. Like we paid for to be in like GQ and stuff like that, but it's just, you know, you end up in the like in the advertisement pages in the back and it's not really worth anything. No one's looking at it. Yeah. Um, and then you go like, "Oh, we've been in GQ." Like, we haven't really been in GQ. We paid to be in GQ. Yeah. Uh like we we got a a PR agency and they're like yeah, yeah well you have to pay for ad- advertisement in the magazines for them to touch you if you if they're gonna do a shoot or something so it's like okay okay so we paid for advertisement but nothing happened so we just went uh, it's no no point and since then it's basically just been organic money comes in we buy some new products I say we it's me. Uh, just easier. I, I I really enjoy it. Just seeing it grow slowly, slowly, slowly. It's been growing slowly each year. Um, uh, since my daughter was born, I kind of, I don't want to say that I checked out, but I've got a completely different set of priorities. Um, so since she was born, I, I don't want to say that I've fallen out of love with it, but I kind of lost a little bit of inspiration. Uh, which I'm like slowly coming back now after she started to go to nursery. 
Um, so she's a nurse for three days a week. My wife's got a one day. I've got a one day. So I've, I actually have days where I can work. Whereas before, it was very much I was like my my wife needed something. I, I had to go in and help her, and it was very. It was, it was quite. It was a. I don't want to say it was disturbance because it was an amazing time having like a little baby girl. Uh, and I was very happy to do it, but it was hard to focus on the business. Uh, and slowly, slowly, slowly coming back now. It's part of that. It's part of the inspiration coming back. Cause I saw you were a pity, just like what last week. And so, was that yeah. was that kind of a spark? Um, I went to pity before we had the daughter a few times, uh, like I think probably a year before. Uh, and I said, I'm not going to go again. And then I had a couple of my great, like, big, good friends here in London went, oh, we're going. You should come with us. And like, you know what? It would probably be pretty good to go and just hang out with them, see some people that I know that, that you really see because, yeah, they, they don't live in London. Uh, and it was a lovely time. It was only for two nights, but it was definitely worth it. It was really nice. A little bit too hot for my liking. How was how it? How does it feel when you're seeing competitors pop up? Because now there's, you know, there, there's a bunch of different brands now selling either shirt stays or some form of, you know, helping keep helping guys keep their shirt tucked in. Yeah, you know what? Something I take great pride in is when I started back in 2011. It was basically this company Vanguard, and it was then it was me. So, and we were the first one to really try to shout about it. And then obviously, like everyone, when, when it happens, uh, people go, oh, easy way to make money. Mm-hmm. It feels like they think. Um, and you know what? Some of them, I feel jealousy because quite a few of them have started on Kickstarter. And they made these videos saying they have this revolutionary new new product. And they got so much money, which is something that like, I think was a couple of them you know they get over a hundred thousand dollars for coming up with an idea that's not really revolutionary mm-hmm. it's a little bit of jealousy it's great that i get competition it's absolutely amazing because if i didn't i would probably become very um complacent and stagnant almost mm-hmm. uh com- competition is very healthy uh kknj follow me on uh, instagram i follow them i chatted with them a few times you know they're really nice guys and you know competition is great but of course there's always a little bit of jealousy there when people get a lot of money and then they can put a lot of money into advertisement which i can't afford uh due to this like or i'm just trying to grow it organically and it's it's hard sometimes but you know what it happens mm-hmm. manageable growth not, yeah exactly yeah that's the thing if i uh, if i were to pay a huge uh, influencer YouTuber to um, promote my company you know I'm not sure I'd be able to handle it right and that's something Antonio said when I met him like the amount of shirt stays I would have to make and buy materials for if I were to spend money with say the guys over like Aaron or or Antonio I'd, I wouldn't be able to handle it yeah which I guess is like, on one side it's like oh that's a bit it's a bit sad that I can't handle it, but you know what? I wouldn't be able to spend time with my daughter if if I just had to sit and sew all the time. Yeah, I feel like there's kind of um, 
the, the pendulum is kind of swinging back in the other direction because for, for a long time, we're still in that phase where it's like growth is always encouraged. It's always the first question someone asks you when you tell them you're an entrepreneur. Oh, how's business? You know, are you growing? And there's kind of a, a trend back toward the, the idea of like a minimal business where it's a lifestyle thing. It's a, it supports your family. You make good money. You're happy, you know. So I, I think that's um, – I, I personally, I, it's great to see, you know, someone that's not just obsessed with the growth and the, and the, and the numbers. Well, it's, I do, the more money, I just feel that the more money you make, the more stress you will get in your life. And it's not a priority for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very lucky. I got a very understanding wife. She's great. My daughter is healthy. You know, I couldn't ask for more really. Yeah. I Same. <laughs> yeah. Sales ticking in slowly, but you know they're coming. What are you? Uh, a little bit more is never wrong. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what are you like really excited about for on, on the business side for the next you know six to twelve months? Like a new products or just kind of keeping on with it with the steady growth? Yeah. Just uh, I always try to. I expand my range of uh, suspenders. I, I get new things in. They sell out. I get uh, new style suspenders in. Um, I came up with a new set of shirt stays about two years ago. Uh, I've tried a few different versions, come up with different kinds of shirt stays, but I feel that the ones I've got now, I can't really uh, make them better. The only thing I, w- I want to try to focus on for the future is more um, uh, environmentally friendly uh, products. Mm. Um, started with, I started using little bags when I sell my shirt stays to come in little bags so you can reuse them instead of just a little piece of packaging that you're just going to throw once once you get them. Mm-hmm. Um, I checked with my elastic manufacturer um, and they are working on um, uh, elastic using recycled materials just stuff like that you know mm-hmm. I have my clips uh, the little plastic clips I'm trying to get them so they're made with reuse, uh, reused plastic um, I had a sample of a knitted tie uh, a few months ago that I really liked that was just looked like a wool tie like a wool knitted tie but the material Material was 50% recycled cotton and 50% plastic bottles. But it looked like a wool knit tie. It looked amazing. Uh, so just things like that. That's cool. Yeah, I feel like that's a, kind of a win-win because you can feel good about it. And then, I mean, customers are customers are like demanding it, you know, at this point. So that's that's great. Yeah. So just try, try to become more green, I suppose, would be my goal, really. Yeah, the market's definitely turning that way too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it is it is important. Um, like with everything's going on in the world, it is very important. Um, that's also a reason why I like being quite small and do small runs of stuff. So I'm not one of these. I don't want to be one of these cheap uh, companies people go to and like to buy ten T-shirts to wear them for a few months and then ah uh, they don't want to wear them anymore this that kind of business doesn't interest me at all and it's not good for the environment what do you call it high street 
is it high street fashion you call it high fashion fast that's fashion what, that's what the fast europeans style. call it they call it the high street yeah. but yeah we americans call it fast fashion yeah, i think we, uh, i think i've heard fast fashion here too yeah mm-hmm. i was like that's not very good for the environment so i'm trying to stay away from that just doing small things like small yeah. runs yeah that's good i like it well, we have a series of rapid fire questions we ask all our guests that you know one or two word answers that you're unprepared for are you ready <laughs> i'm gonna have to be honest. all right oxford's oh, or brogues sorry oxford uh, oxford's My morning shower or evening shower morning shower cardio or lifting Cardio. Chinos, jeans, or trousers? Trousers. Sneakers, loafers, or Oxfords? Um, Depends on the weather. If it's cold, Oxfords. If it's warm, if I'm at Florence, um, loafers. If I'm at home working, sneakers. That's good. (laughs) Got to be flexible. (laughs) Um, Your favorite Bond actor? Uh, Sean Connery. The last book you read? Uh, I'm reading one right now called How to Be Good in a Bad World. Is that what it's called? By a... is He's a talk show host for a uh, very good um, phone-in talk show here in, here in London. Hmm. A radio show called LBC. And his name is James O'Brien. And he's... His book is called How to Be Right in the Wrong World. It's very interesting. It takes up all things about like Brexit and UK politics at the moment, which is shambles. Which is all-consuming, yeah. Oh, it's absolutely it's horrendous. As a, as a foreigner in London, mm-hmm. I'm sad. Yeah. Everybody's sad. Uh, Navy or charcoal? Suit. Navy. And if you get in the shower, you want to pump yourself up, what is the song you're playing? Eurasia, a little respect. No, Ooh. Dancing in the Dark, Bruce Springsteen. Whoa. <laughs> Dancing in the Dark. I like those. I like Erasure too. That's good. Well, you survived our, our rapid fire segment. <laughs> that was good. Barely. <laughs> yeah, Sean Connery is a great pick. But it was, that was fun. I love, love rapid, rapid questions. It's good. Good. Well, I like your approach to business, boutique, kind of growing on your own terms. I th- hope the pity trip really uh, gives you some in- little inspiration there. But uh, everybody should check out Sharp and Dapper. You got your YouTube channel where you talk about church days. You have a very good Instagram page where you can even see Johan in his underwear a couple weeks ago oh. over a pity. Oh. <laughs> and, People think uh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and pick him up. Well, thanks for coming on, Johan. Guys, thank you so much for having me. It was amazing. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man. And we will see you next week.